everyone. Welcome back to Staying Connected, a podcast where I talk to other people about their stories with VEDS or vascular Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which I also have. Today, I have Melinda here who's going to share her daughter's story with VEDS and her own story as a parent uh, living with that. Welcome to the show, Melinda. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really grateful for you sharing your story and your daughter's story. So your daughter's name is Natalie. When was she diagnosed with VEDS and how did that come about? Um, she was diagnosed about two and a half years ago. She was eight and a half. Um, really, it was just, it came about, it was just a long process over eight and a half years of mysterious medical things and she was in the hospital a lot. She was sick a lot. Um, she actually had a spine surgery and her recovery from that is ultimately what made me realize something was very wrong. Um, so I started doing lots of research because she also has Chiari and POTS. Um, and I saw that Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome can be part of that trifecta um, with POTS and Chiari. So I started looking into it, looking at pictures, researching, um, and I brought it to the doctor's attention. And thankfully, he, he listened to me and we got sent in for genetics. And um, you know, that's when they tested her and came back positive. So I want to backtrack there for a second. So what is Chiari and what is POTS for the people that don't, aren't familiar with that? So POTS, I don't remember the actual name, um, but basically what it is is that her heart rate, um, varies based upon her positioning. So like if she's laying flat and then she sits up, her heart rate can go from a normal heart rate, you know, about 70 and jump up to like 180. Um, and what they were finding with her is with her didn't even have to be positioning. So she could be sitting on the couch and she would go with this weird gray color and um, she, her heart rate would be like 180 to 200. Wow. Um, and she was getting very sick and nauseous all the time. Um, and then Chiari is um, where her brain stem herniates beneath the base of her skull, or it's like your cerebral tonsils. And what it does is it compresses her spinal cord. So that has its own slew of symptoms um, to include like headaches, dizzy, dizziness, nausea. Um, some people actually have to have a very invasive surgery to have like the basically the back part like of their brain lifted um, for that compression to stop. Mm. And then what was her spinal issue that led to spinal surgery? So she had something called tethered cord syndrome. Um, and what was weird about it is hers was actually not seen on an MRI, which is very, very uncommon. Um, so she all of a sudden started having tons of pain in her ankles or her legs. Um, she couldn't control her bladder. It got to the point where she would just be walking and have an accident. And, um, chronic, um, just bladder issues, pain. Um, she was walking on her tiptoes a lot. And so we ended up doing um, urodynamics tests to see if she was having any issues with their bladder. And they found out her bladder was like four times the normal size, but she was only emptying it at like 30%. Hmm. Um, and so thankfully her neurosurgeon decided, you know, we needed to go in and look anyway. So we basically went in as an exploratory surgery because it didn't show on the MRI when he got in there. She definitely had a tethered cord and her nerve roots had wrapped themselves around her spinal cord. So they all had to be separated from her spinal cord. And that was a surgery that ultimately led to her diagnosis as well. So I know that when we talked uh, before about this surgery, I think you said that she almost died after that procedure. What happened? 
Yeah, so she actually recovered pretty well, like, the first few days. They were really impressed with how quickly she was getting up and walking around, and she was pretty happy. And then we went home, and within 24 hours, she spiked 105 fever. And so I brought her back to the ER thinking maybe she developed, you know, a spinal infection or something. And, mm-hmm. you know, they ran every test. She had spinal taps. She had multiple tests run. Her blood, white blood cell count was four times the normal limit. Um, they couldn't figure out what was wrong. Like, they literally ran test after test after test. Um, and there was just no explanation. And it got to the point where, like, her her stomach, her intestines, everything went into paralysis. So she wasn't able to, like, pass gas, you know, have any bowel movements. She wasn't even able to pee. So she was in an excruciating amount of pain. And as a mother looking in, you know, I, I felt like my di- my child was dying before my eyes. Like, I couldn't mm-hmm. touch her skin without her screaming. Um, she just cried and cried and cried for hours on the end. And, I mean, it went on for, like, eight days until finally um, she was able to have some movements. They had her on the highest dose of IV antibiotics um, there was. And then her back where her incision was was having a really hard time healing. Um, it was just getting wider, and it didn't seem like it was healing correctly. They kept on having to put cream on it. And, you know, ultimately, like I said, as a mother looking and that's what it seemed like to me, that she was just slowly dying before me because nothing they were doing was working. They couldn't find out what was wrong. It was just like this big mystery as to why she was not recovering well. How old was she at that point? Uh, she was eight. She had turned eight. Yeah, she was a little over eight. She turned eight in September, and her um, she had her surgery in March. Um, so she was eight and a half, and then we got her diagnosis like, four months later. So this diagnosis took like eight and a half years to get to. What did that feel like? It was, I mean, ultimately it it was just a very hard eight and a half years trying to get a diagnosis. It was so hard. I was a single mom. I've been a single mom since Natalie was born and, you know, I was raising her and she had all these medical issues and I was trying to work and take care of her and then it got to the point where I couldn't work because she was so sick and you know I was going to Utah to find answers for her and she had a surgery in Utah when she was three and a half um she had really bad um acid reflux and she was actually aspirating a ton into her lungs and um she ended up having a stomach surgery in Utah and she developed complications from that you know and we ended up in Utah for six weeks, and it just, I felt like it was, we were always on a roller coaster ride. There was never any answers, never any explanations, and I will say that her doctors fought for her, and they really tried. It wasn't that they didn't try or they didn't care to try. It was that they really just didn't know, and it was, those were seriously probably the hardest years of my life because I was trying to be a mom, and then your own mental health and your you you know everything just suffers because you uh, you want to make it better but you can't and you don't know how and how do you make it better when you don't know what's wrong and it it was really really trying time in my life I was in counseling for five years just to kind of process the trauma and the heartache and it, it was a lot it was a lot to handle as one person I didn't have um I had my family which was amazing but it's not the same as having like a spouse to share that grief 
with and that heartache and um, it was it was a lot for one person to handle. So I know that at some point you suspected EDS and went to a geneticist, right? Yes. How did that appointment go? So when I suspected, they, they did send us to the geneticist and, you know, they were pretty thorough, um, which is great. And they originally diagnosed Natalie with hypermobile EDS because um, she is extremely hypermobile. And I had already done my own research into d- different types of EDS. And I knew that a big indicator of the vascular type of EDS was translucent skin. And now Natalie is mixed, so she's half Hispanic, half white. So she's got a pretty darker olive skin, especially in the summertime when we went to go see genetics. So she was pretty tan. And you could see right through her chest, like all of her veins. Um, You can see them on her head, um, her cheeks. And I told them, I said, you know, wait, wait, wait. I need you to look at her chest. Because Natalie doesn't have many of the prominent facial features. Um, I can see it a little bit now, like underneath her eyes, they get mm-hmm. there darker. Um, but then they were said, they said, okay, you know, we do see that she's translucent on her chest, but we'll go ahead and test, you know, just to be safe. But we really, really don't think she has a vascular type at all. There's no family history, you know, mom, don't worry, but we'll test. So they tested and waited, you know, in excruciating eight weeks. <laughs> and then they <laughs> called me and, um, you know, the geneticist, I, I still remember the sound of her voice. Um, and I knew before she even spoke, just based on her tone. Um, she said, you know, I can't believe it. But her test did come back positive. She's like, I, I, I really didn't think she had it. And, you know, it. you could tell she was just stunned. Mm-hmm. She was really blown away. And how did that feel to you? Um, it's, it was a weird feeling. So it was... I felt like my world did just shatter because I knew what it meant. I had researched it, I mean, so much. And then at the same time, there's like this small sense of like relief because I finally had an answer, you know, and and then I felt guilty for feeling released because I'm like, this is the last thing I want my kid to have. But at the same time, I just, I'm so glad that we finally had an answer, you know, for all these years we're, I was being told I was overreacting, nothing was wrong with her, and I was making it up. It was all in my head, and here it was right here, that I wasn't wrong, that I was advocating for her, and thank God I was. That has to be such a, I mean, it's it's got to be such a weird feeling, but that relief it, that comes with knowing that you um, were not being a hypochondriac, you know, quote unquote, has to be a big deal. Yes, yes, definitely. It, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for the diagnosis because I feel like now, we know what to look for. We we have you know the right doctors, the right things in place. But at the same time, I mean, she's my only child, and um, I feel like that puts a little bit more um, sting to it. Um, you know, not that it, it, I would, it would matter any less if I had more children, but I mean, she's literally it for me. She's my only kiddo and I live and breathe for her. And so it is, it's really heart wrenching at the same time. It's, it's a weird mix of emotions. Yeah. How long ago did you get that diagnosis? Like how old is she now? 
she's 11 and so she, it was actually a couple months before her ninth birthday um, we got that diagnosis so it's been a little over two years and did you tell her immediately or how did you go about that I did not um, I you know when I got out, I was sitting on my front porch and thankfully my best friend was over because I just I was very emotional um, so she came out she talked with me and I, I made the choice at that time to not tell Natalie right away um, I felt like even though I had researched a ton now that I knew this was for sure what it was I needed to look into it more to be able to talk to her about it in the right way so what I did was we had a genetics like a counseling appointment after that for them to talk to me about what this means what this means for Natalie what we need to do moving forward and for that appointment, I, I, Natalie did come, but she did not come in the room with me um, because I needed to hear first from the geneticist what she had to say before I could break it down to Natalie in a way that I thought that she could understand. Mm -hmm. um, so she wasn't a part of that appointment. And then after that, I slowly started telling her things um, about what she had and what it meant. And then the next appointment after that, she came in the room with me and she was able to be a part of that conversation with the geneticist. Um, now she's very involved with her own medical care and um, I'm trying to teach her to advocate for herself and to talk about what it is she knows what it means for her body now um, because I feel like it's extremely important because what if I'm not with her and something happens you know she does have a medical bracelet but you know she's also 11 and takes it off you know <laughs> um, it doesn't stay on all the time and um, so yeah, she's fully aware now of what that means. And you know what's what was funny to me? Well, I guess not funny, but blew me away was um, when I told her, you know, I really broke it down for her. Like, this is what it means. This is what it can do. Um, her response was, okay, mom, you know what, mom? I'm going to be fine. Stop worrying about me so much. Oh. I'm going to be okay. You know, and I mean, we, we believe in God um, in our family. And um, she just has like this... I don't this uh, amazing belief and uh, that you know she she told me she has a purpose and it's okay mom I'm fine and whatever my purpose is you know I'm here for that and I'm gonna she she told me she's gonna change the world because you know it's not that's is not something that most people know about and so she takes it in strife and she she's very positive very positive and it helps me be more positive. That's wonderful. Did her friends know? Has she had to tell her friends or anybody at school? She has. Um, so what we did was, you know, so she was in third grade when she got the diagnosis. And um, by, I'd say mid-year in third grade, she, so what I was finding out was she, she was scared to tell people. She just didn't want to be viewed differently. And then I found out her, you know, one of her um, teachers, she was playing soccer and she's put in as a goalie in soccer and I about had a heart attack and, <laughs> um, you know, I was like, oh my gosh. So I ended up, um, and then she already had a 504 and all of that, but what I realized was, you know, unless you sit down and you're very clear about what this means for her, a lot of people don't understand. And so we sat down, we had a conversation with all the important people in her school her teacher her PE teacher you know the principal and really got down to the root of it and what it means and they're very understanding and then her teacher said you know Natalie would you like to talk to the, the students in class about this and what this means for you because 
they wouldn't understand why Natalie couldn't play tackle football or why she couldn't do certain things in PE. So what she ultimately decided was to get up and actually talk to her class about what she has um, and what it means for her. And it's great, you know, it's amazing that so many of those kids were so understanding and kind. I mean, they would pull out her chair for her and be like, okay, you got to be, you know, and, you know, the extra caution that they would use around her for the first few weeks she didn't quite like. But then after that, it seemed to wear off. So it's like, it was that shocking revelation where they were like, oh my gosh. And then after that, they went back to normalcy, but they knew what it was Mm -hmm. so that they can look out for her. What a brave girl. Yes, she really is. She blows me away. <laughs> what does she like to do now? I know you mentioned soccer. Is there any hobbies that she has? And She does. And this is, um, I think, where I may vary a little bit from um, other parents who have kids with vets. Um, Natalie plays basketball. And uh, that is her greatest joy. And it took me a good year before I allowed her to go back to basketball. And um, that was not an easy decision. It was one that we made with her medical team and her doctors and um, with her cardiologist. And we are very big in, um, I want her to live her life and love her life and not just exist. And I I, want to note that Natalie has a null mutation. So, you know, that that was part of this as well, (laughs) of this decision, but she loves basketball loves it she loves art she loves dancing she loves singing um she's a go 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 type person like she never stops i have to tell her constantly like okay let's slow down a little bit because you're exhausting me just looking at you um because <laughs> she just goes 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 and she loves it she just loves that fast-paced life we love to travel and you know it's been put on hold a little bit with covid um but our goal is to see as much of the world together as we can because memories with her are so much more important now, or, or I treasure them so much more, um, if that makes sense. Uh, oh, totally. You know, but she she really has this amazing passion for life. She does. That's really great. And that's, that's great that you make every moment count with her too. Yes, definitely. Is she the only one in the family that has feds? So she is not. Um, her father actually has VEDS, but we didn't know he had it until Natalie was diagnosed. Um, after that, they tested both myself and her father, and her father came back positive, which was very, very surprising um, because he's not symptomatic um, like Natalie is at all. Their, their symptoms are extreme opposites. Hmm. Um, but I, I do think for him it was a shock at first. Um, and for his wife, and I, I think it took a good six months before, you know, it fully sunk in, and he, he did start seeing the right doctors, which was great, and now I think he, he's accepted it, and, you know, he's, it's, and this is going to sound horrible, and I don't mean that in a horrible way, but it's nice for Natalie to have somebody to relate to, Mm because she thought that she was the only one, like, in the family, and, uh, of course, I wouldn't wish this on anybody, but for her, she feels a stronger connection to her dad through this. That makes sense. Yeah. I remember when I was diagnosed, and I hope my mom is okay sharing with me sharing this. <laughs> I think she is, but when I was first diagnosed and you know, my mom came back negative, she was actually pretty upset because she didn't want me to go through this alone. Yeah. You know, I felt so that way too. 
yeah how did you how did you cope with that feeling it's i you know it's it was this weird guilty feeling and i'm sure like your mom would understand that like i still struggle with it sometimes because i just feel so guilty because i my daughter has to experience so much and um i felt that same way your mom did like i well at least you know i get to be experiences with her and it's like i do but in a different way and um i still deal with that guilt sometimes even though you know there's nothing i can do to change that i don't have vets you know um but i could totally understand why your mom felt that way i i can because i i felt like that and it was pretty bad for a few months and over time it's eased and you know over time we've learned to live with it and cope with it and you know but it was very hard those first few months i can completely understand why your mom felt that way have you been able to connect with any other parents since her diagnosis um there's a, a couple people i wouldn't really say i talked to a lot of people sometimes i feel like i'm on the outside of this feds group and um i i, I kind of want to explain a little bit why i feel that way so natalie it's very different from a lot of the other parents that I know whose kids have vets. Um, you know, for the longest time, you know, they thought, oh, she's hypermobile. But, you know, she clearly has a genetic test that says she has vets. And, um, you know, it's weird because um, I was told by one geneticist that she has a no mutation and that she made good collagen, but it only half of it. The other half, you know, she, didn't, she only made half her collagen, basically. And then we got into this EDS group, our specialty clinic, and Natalie seen there, and the EDS specialist there said, no, like, no. What happens is, yeah, she got good collagen from you, but her dad's bad collagen, like, it copied that gene and made faulty collagen, but she still has no mutation. It's so, it's been very confusing for me, oh. and I feel like, yeah, so I am still very confused about her mutation and what it means for her collagen, because I've been told two completely different things. And I feel like sometimes it puts me on the outside of the group, if that makes sense, because mm -hmm. Natalie's just different and doesn't experience the same things as other people. And I know everybody's so loving and kind. I don't mean that in a bad way at all. Um, yeah. I just feel like there's nobody else like her, so it's really hard for me to find somebody who completely understands, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, and her variance is the only one that they have on record. Like, there's no other ones. You yeah. know, one thing I did take away, which makes total sense is because like I said Natalie has all these weird symptoms that a lot of other people that I know of with VEDS do not have and um, I flat out asked her like why is that you know and she just said you know well she's very unique her genetic coding is very unique there's nobody else with her variants so she's going to be unique is and all of her symptoms are going to be different mm -hmm. and that's why they're following her so closely. You mentioned that her symptoms um, can be like kind of different than mm -hmm. some other people with VEDS and other people you've met. What were some signs that you think that she had growing up or and what kind of things does she experience? Um, let me see. She had, she has chronic stomach issues, which I know is pretty common, um, with VEDS. Um, but I mean, from the minute she was born, like, she's been in the hospital in and out of the hospital her, her whole life her ho first hospitalization was at nine days old and um chronic chronic digestive issues um she gets very dizzy and nauseous a lot um 
I, I think I mentioned it before, she'll turn like a gray color. And um, she also developed tremors when she was in second grade. Um, she would get really, really bad tremors. And uh, she would have a hard time walking. And the, the pain in her legs and her ankles got so bad that she wouldn't be able to walk or function. She was literally in pain every single day. And um, her ankles d do sublex all the time. Um, her ankles, her knees, and her shoulders. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, her, her ankles are so bad that she could literally just be walking up the stairs in the fold and she'll fall. So she falls a lot. And that was an issue she had growing up. She was constantly falling. Um, there's like no, she has really bad balance and, um, uh, percept, her depth perception is really off too. Um, but yeah, she's, I mean, and every day is so different and I'm sure other people would understand this as well. Like one day she can wake up and I'm like, wow, like she's like a healthy kid today. There's no issues. And then the next day it's like she falls off a cliff and she's, in so much pain she can barely function we take she's taking five or six baths a day to for the warm water to help combat the pain and at one point she was going through two bottles of like Tylenol a month just to keep her pain under control oh wow and um you know we've started using CBD since then um because I'm like we're this is just going to make her sicker <laughs> you know it's going to end up impacting other parts of her organs and um I mean the pain was just very it was really horrific and Nobody knew what was causing it, and um, now it's now it is so much better. But I mean, just dealing with the pots, and she gets chronic headaches too, um, horrible headaches that like debilitate her. Does the CBD help her? It does. So in Colorado, um, we live in Colorado. So in Colorado, um, uh, marijuana is legal there. Um, no, my kid does not smoke marijuana, but I'm getting to the point here. Um, <laughs> so there's a lotion that she ha that we use on her that is CBD with like 0.5% THC in it, and so we act I actually use that on her joints and her muscles, and it has drastically changed her um, pain drastically. So she only takes Tylenol maybe twice a month now for headaches. Wow. Um, and then we also see um, somebody that works, does like muscle work and works on her muscles every couple weeks in her joints. Um, so between the two of those, like she's become a totally different kid. It's been life changing for her. It really has. That's really great. So is there anything that you've learned in the last three years that you would want to share with another parent who maybe is just having a child who's just diagnosed? Reach out for help, honestly. Um, this doesn't have to be a journey where you're alone. Um, you know, reaching out for help literally changed my whole perspective in my life. I, I still remember when I posted in the beds group for the first time, and Rachel's like, I'm going to call you, I'm going to call you. And because I felt like my entire world just shattered and ended. I really did. And mm -hmm. um, Rachel called me, and she talked to me for almost an hour. Um explaining to me everything and the resources and we're here for you and um so regardless of how different natalie may be from a lot of other vets kids i know that i have support no matter what and another thing i would say is never stop advocating for your kid even once you have a diagnosis you still have to continue to advocate for them because there's so many 
doctors that may not understand your child's diagnosis. I mean, we've experienced that firsthand. You know, Natalie has a an ER letter that we're supposed to take to the ER, and the minute they see that, she's supposed to be brought back and seen by a doctor immediately. And um, I remember bringing that in because Natalie had this horrible pain in her stomach. She was screaming, and the nurse looking at me and shoving the letter back at me, and oh. um, me fighting with her in the waiting room, and then them putting Natalie in another waiting room for two hours as I'm like frantic and crying and my kids screaming because she's in so much pain and at the time we didn't know her stomach had gone into paralysis um i mean you don't know <laughs> and that's the thing is you have to go every time it's that bad because you don't know and um having to call children's hospital and the children's hospital calling down and yelling at the doctors like you're gonna if this child dies it's on your hands you know and then the doctor not believing me when I tell him my daughter has vets he's like oh, are you sure are you sure that's the type that she has I think she has a hypermobile type and this is a true story <laughs> and um, me advocating and fighting for her and you know I just remember how horrific that experience was and I was posting in the vets group the whole time like I don't know what to do this is happening and people were like walking me through steps of what to tell him or what I need to ask for and what I need to say and I think about that moment a lot because it was so terrifying for me. Um, that was our first big, really big scare. And I remember how scared I was. And I just, I didn't feel alone because I at least had all of them there helping me. Even if it was through Facebook and our group, I had people there helping me, telling me what to do, guiding me. And then I was fighting for my kids. So at the end of the day, you just have to continue to keep fighting for your kid. Keep having faith and hope that things are developing and changing and you know, there's there's something on the horizon to help people that have VEDS and, you know, people like you who are getting awareness out there and, you know, and that you're just not alone. You're not alone. There's a lot of people that want to help and be there for you. Thank you. And, yeah, this, this community is really, like, tight-knit. <laughs> it is, and I love it. And I, I do. I love it. Like I said, I know sometimes I'm like I don't know because Natalie's a little bit different but I've never questioned the loyalty of that group there's they're always there for you mm -hmm. and I'm a pretty like I keep to myself person most of the time <laughs> um, that's just how I am it's my personality but it's I mean I cannot say anything for months and then post something and I have all these people like giving me advice and just sending me love and mm -hmm. you know it, it just does yeah they just want to be there for you that's really great. And I think I heard something there in that story too. So the, I'm guessing the children's hospital is like her expert center and they called the hospital. They did. So at the time we only had a children's hospital in Denver. We now have one in Colorado Springs, thank God. Um, but when this was happening there, the children's hospitals in Denver and we have two local hospitals and I brought her into a local hospital and I still, remember it because I handed the the letter to this nurse and she goes oh I know what this is and shoved it back at me oh, <laughs> and I was like no but you don't you don't know what this is because you would have read the letter and known that this is serious mm -hmm. you know because you just don't know any onset pain like that can mean so many things for a person with feds wow I'm yeah. so glad that the children's hospital is available for you too yes me too that now that that's down here, that's the only hospital she's been to since. Yeah. And that's such an important thing, I think, as someone, you know, with VEDS or anybody in the community who has VEDS, the experts can really advocate for you when everything else 
is falling through. Yes, it's definitely. important to be connected, I think. Yes, that. definitely. And another thing I've learned is that grief is never ending either. Like, you know, the cycles of grief, they're, they're just never ending. Like you feel like you've gotten past it. And I, I still have days where I'm like, okay, we're doing great. And then I have days where I just take a bath and I drink a glass of wine and I cry because I'm like, gosh, this is so hard. As a mom, my heart is so broken because I have all these dreams for my child. I want the world for her. I want her to go to college and have her own family and live this amazing life and watch her have babies. And it's so heartbreaking and shattering to think that she may not get to have those things. And, um, you know, it's sorry. Don't be, <laughs> you it's just okay. want the best for your kids, you know? And Natalie, um, when I was pregnant with her, they already they told me that Natalie only had a seven percent chance of survival because I had all these issues with her, tons of issues during my pregnancy. And I finally had my miracle baby and then it was just so much. You know, and uh it, yeah, grief is never ending. <laughs> you have really good days and then sometimes the grief just hits you like a freaking train and it's a really bad day, but then you get up and you you try and you have a good day after that you know? Yeah. That's a really good way to put it because I don't think we can ever really expect to be fully over this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think accepting that and knowing when the bad days hit that it's okay to have them and not put that like some grace. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's I think that's the term a lot of people use is grace. Like giving yourself a little bit of love to just allow yourself to feel those moments and not be yeah. too hard on yourself. Yeah, so for th- sure. 100%. Just that's been our motto for the past several years is just give yourself some grace and give each other grace because Natalie has really bad days too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and even though she's so strong and brilliant and she has bad days where she has asked me, mom, why did this have to happen to me? Why did it have to be me? And as a mom, I'm like, how do I answer that? <laughs> you know, it's a really hard question to answer. Yeah. And um, and she doesn't have those days very often, but when she does, they're really bad. Well, thank you so much for sharing with everybody and sharing your story with us. Absolutely. Thank you for uh, funding me. I appreciate that. I haven't actually really shared her story like that before. So <laughs> I'm, I'm really so glad that you did and really appreciative. Yeah, definitely. And thank you, everybody, for listening. This was Staying Connected, and this was Melinda sharing her daughter Natalie's story with vascular Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. New episodes of Staying Connected come out on the last Sunday of every month, so um, subscribe, and we'll see you soon.